Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. We, moments ago. Yes. I'd say four minutes ago, maybe. Okay. We have come upstairs after having a fine, a fine meal of Trader Joe's beef and broccoli. I think spicy beef and broccoli. Rachel did not pay attention to the packaging, but I think it was spicy because I burned my mouth good, didn't I? But anyway, we were eating that. We watched the Terrace House movie. That's right. They made a Terrace House movie after the first season. And I have been emotionally devastated, I guess. And it's probably the weirdest energy I've ever brought into a podcast recording in my life. The movie, the movie was kind of a surprise to us. Sure. But then once we found out about it, we were very excited. It comes at the tail end of like a 98 episode long season of Terrace House and yes. you see just this All your boy. faves come back. All the faves come back. It is it is kind of like if they made like a movie of Lost and like all the characters were uh-huh. back. Well, that's kind of actually what the ending of Lost was, so never mind. But you get my <laughs> point. We have been... Just wrecked, sort of my. Mm. It they it brought out like a sorrow in me, but like a that good sorrow. It was weird because when the season was over, mm. we were sad it was over. Oh, I cried so hard, and then we were like, "Oh, the movie," and I felt like they can't do this to me again. They and already they fucking did, it to, did me. it to me again, and, and now we're recording do. our ostensibly sometimes funny podcast. Yeah, and so that's going to be a challenge. But well, here's what we have to look forward to. Yes. We can just start over again. This podcast? Boys and Girls in the City. Oh, I thought you were saying you didn't like the intro to this, which is fine. It's a fine position to take. It's, it's a little, not exactly zippy. No, you're right. Let's zip it up with some fucking small wonders. Small wonders, but if I do fun voices, that might sort of make me forget about the sadness. So, hey, did anybody order these uh, small wonders? What is that voice? Who are you thinking of when you do that voice? New York man. I thought maybe it was like a beetle, like George Harrison. Or and then anybody order these small wonders? <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody order any of these? Paul, did you order this? Small wonders. You're doing like a Christopher Walken a little bit, I think. Did anybody order any of these <laughs> Ringo small wonders? Hey, do you have any small wonders, though? <laughs> I do. Uh, the National Portrait Gallery in Washington, D.C. Yeah, you had yourself a grand old time. I did my first ever work trip since Henry was born. Sure. And I went to Washington, D.C., and I was determined to hit up some of those museums. And I thought the National Portrait Gallery would just be, I don't know, portraits, but it's so much more. What, I mean, what the fuck else do they have? It's called a portrait gallery. Just a lot of, like, modern exhibits of artists that do more than just portraits. More than call that. Well, it's primarily portraits. Oh, okay. I feel relieved. Um, Can you tell me the truth? Did you touch any of them? I didn't know. I was thinking about how fun it would be to bring Henry to a big old museum, but then I thought, oh, he would no. for sure touch everything. He would touch everything with intent to destroy. Yeah. That's a phase he's in now. He wants to hurt 
Do you, uh, I have a small wonder. It's a podcast. So we talked about uh, baths, I think, in the last episode. Uh, the the uh, oh, yes. electronic yes. Uh, artists uh, and our Facebook group blew up because uh, they were all recommending a, podca- a podcast that he does, Will Wiesenfeld and his brother, John, oh. uh, called 2.0, where they just try to uh, the, fix things that are fine. So uh, <laughs> there's like an episode about barbecues and cemeteries. Uh, and house cats and the third dimension uh, and they just Wait. come up with suggestions on how to fix these things oh okay uh, it is very <laughs> it's very good it's got it's got good vibes uh, and it's, it's right up my alley I've been listening to it a lot now on my my daycare drives cool uh, yeah anything else that spicy beef and broccoli really did it for me Trader Joe's frozen meals like do it for me. Trader Joe's has the good frozen meals. I know. I'm not above it. Like obviously I like having a home cooked meal that that we have prepared. Yeah. But if it if it has to be froze and then hot and then we eat it, I yes. would prefer if it's gotta be froze, it gotta be Trader Joe's. Come on. You can use that. Joe? <laughs> Who is the Joe? Nobody knows. Nobody knows the Trader Joe Joe's. What if it's Joe Pantoliano? Who? The actor. Joey Pants. What if it's Joe Lawrence? Has anybody ever called him Joe Lawrence before? Or am Joseph I the first? Lawrence. Joseph Josef Lawrence. That's his name on Broadway. That is really? <laughs> no. <laughs> Was he on Broadway? No, I don't think so, baby. He might have been. <laughs> uh, who goes first this week? Website that is loading right now. It's me. Gosh, I always feel like you go first. It's not true. 50% of the time you go first. What's that say about you? <laughs> I know, I'm just eager. You know a way we could actually decide who goes first? Hmm. We could play rock, paper, scissors. No, That's you, my first thing. No, you can go first. Oh, my, oh, my first it really thing is, is. rock paper oh, scissors. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking about it today. I was thinking about like games. I almost talked to you about Skyrim, so be glad that you dodged that bullet. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking about games, right? Because I, I like games, and I was yes. thinking about them. And then I was thinking about like folk games. You know, I like a good uh, a hide and go seek, capture the flag, Johann Sebastian mm-hmm. Joust. I like that stuff. And I was trying to think of of stuff like that that I'm very familiar with and everybody's familiar with. And I don't think that like rock, paper, scissors is the best game ever. It's like a a zero sum game. Somebody's going to win or somebody's going to tie and there's very few outcomes and not much strat that goes into it. I'm not constantly going around playing it. I'm not going to the tournaments, which there are definitely tournaments, which is exciting. I love that human beings came up with a way to solve arguments between themselves with a competitive hand game. I love back in caveman days, if somebody wanted to eat the big fish that they pulled out of the ocean, but they only have one fish and two people, they would beat each other to death with clubs probably to decide who gets it. And then there were people who were just eventually like, what if we played a little hand game together? Can they trace rock, paper, scissors back that far? Not to caveman days, no. It does trace back literal millennia. Uh, It was uh, first played and sort of documented across East Asia. Uh, There is a book that was published in China around uh, 1600, uh, which said that the game was first played during the uh, Chinese Han Dynasty between two... Hey, you know what I just thought of? What? If it was caveman days, it just would have been rock. 
hey, that's good. Yeah, they didn't have the other things. Well, when it started out, it was not rock, paper, scissors, oh, okay. which I will get to. But uh, it was so it's thought to uh, have been played during the Chinese Han Dynasty between 206 BC and 220 AD. Wow, is when that dynasty was. So uh, it was according to this book that was published in 1600. It was called, uh, and I'm going to f- fuck up the pronunciation on this and every other word I'm going to say in the next ten minutes. But Shaoxi uh, Ling, and it. it was sort of a rudimentary there's not much on like the rules of what this like very first discovered version of rock paper scissors was uh it's a lot easier to kind of trace how the game evolved in japan it it made its way over to japan fairly quickly uh there it was called sansukumi ken uh according to wikipedia uh, it means kin, which translates to fist games, where, quote, the three who are afraid of one another, which is great because that's <laughs> fucking what rock, paper, scissors and every permutation of it is. So one of the first kin games in Japan wasn't rock, paper, scissors. It was frog, slug, snake. Oh, that's fun. That's extremely good. And obviously you're not making scissors with your hands because it's frog, slug, snake. Yeah. Uh, you hold out your pinky. That's slug. You hold your thumb up, that's frog, and you extend your index finger like that, it's a snake. And in this game, slug beats frog, snake beats slug, frog beats snake. It's it's literally the same thing, but Uh with frog slugs and I'm trying to think, because the big thing that always stresses me out about rock, paper, scissors is getting my hand to the right shape fast enough. And I'm trying to think how it would be. I think it'd be easy, right? Boom, boom, bink. That's my pinky. That was the sound of my <laughs> pinky shooting up. Um, so there was another version in Japan. Like they, I, I, again, like it is easier to track like how the game changed. And they just had like a lot of these different Ken games. Uh, there's one Kitsune Ken. Kitsune means uh, fox. And in this game, fox beats village head. Village head beats hunter. Hunter beats fox. And so uh, I think that that's pretty great. I don't know what the hand signals were for that. Maybe it's like for the fox, you have to do like the foxy lady dance from Wayne's World uh, <laughs> 2 that Garth does. Um, and so the version that we play today uh, derived from uh, Jan Ken, uh, which is rock, paper, scissors. It is rock, paper, scissors. That is what they call rock, paper, scissors in Japan. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it first came to America in 1932. The New York Times was writing an article about Tokyo and kind of talked about rock, paper, scissors and kind of unleashed it to the world. Well, not to the world. It, it, it was it was spreading across the world before it came here. Uh, but then that's that's how we got rock, paper, scissors. Uh, so people who are very, like, a lot smarter than us have written about rock, paper, scissors and have sort of figured out that human players yeah. are non-random in the things that they choose to throw, okay. which is a long way of saying that it is possible to gain a skill-based advantage in the game rock, paper, yeah, scissors. Yeah, I heard there's, like, a competition and people are, like actually like good at it like there, yeah there are lots specifically good there are lots of like uh tournaments a lot of it boils down to like how you read your players hand motions and habits uh and then perform your own hand motions in reaction to them yeah uh, another thing that happens in tournaments is that players try to confuse each other by uh, shouting out one of the positions and then throwing a different position. <laughs> oh, and their goal in doing that is to get their opponent to make an illegal move, right? Because you can't do oh. like you stick out scissors and then you change to rock. But if somebody yells something and yeah. then throws out something different and you feel compelled to change, then you lose that round because you cheated. So the, the way that they get around that is a lot of people in tournaments uh, decide the sequence of gestures they're going to throw before 
before the tournament even starts. Okay. That's fucking wild to yeah. me. Uh, there, Here's another piece of sort of like errata that I actually knew about and forgot. In 2012, uh, researchers from the Ishikawa Watanabe Laboratory at the University of Tokyo created a robot hand that can play rock, paper, scissors with a 100% win rate. Uh, using a high-speed camera, the robot recognizes within one millisecond oh what shape the human hand is making, then produces the corresponding winning shape. Look up r- rock, paper, scissors robot if you've never seen this video. That's it's, awesome. It's obvious that it's cheating. It's still fucking Skylab terrifying. Watching this super super powerful pneumatic robo hand just like launch out the fucking scissors <laughs> in a millisecond it is the scariest thing uh ever. i always get really paranoid whenever i play rock paper scissors that something about the motion of my hand will suggest what i'm gonna do before which is exactly what you're saying that robot does yeah exactly i i, I don't know i just i really think it's great that when we have a when when people have a like dilemma that they need to solve and they have something that they can't figure out instead of you know duking it out or taking it to a higher power we play a little game i think that's nice Mm -hmm. i think that's great yeah it is nice it's always fun to see people play it too because usually it's like a relatively low stakes thing oh yeah where people will bring it out and it's always fun to have i I told you about my super high stakes rock paper scissors i had one time no it was when i was oh wait is the room in the apartment it's my apartment i just moved into my first apartment with uh two guys i went to high school with uh, what I was still living in Huntington, and it was on the 13th story of the tallest building in Huntington, and there was one room that was kind of big with no windows at all, and then one room that was kind of small with one window that was like frosted, so you couldn't really see through it, and then one corner room <laughs> with windows overlooking all of God's splendor across wild and wonderful West Virginia, and it was amazing, and it was huge. And so we played rock, paper, scissors for it, and I, I won, and I got that sweet room. And I can't imagine what that fucking year would have been like if it weren't for that, because that was, <laughs> that was a sweet little setup I had there, all thanks to the, the, R, the RPS. What's your first thing? My first thing is walking. Walking? Are you talking about sort of the idea of just sort of uh, am- ambulation or like- No, as... and I thought you might say that. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Well, I, so I wanted to provide so it more for like for leisure and contemplation. Oh, interesting. I realized when I was in DC, I was walking like six, seven miles a day, which is something I used to do a lot of when I had more free time. Sure. Um, and I just started thinking about like how it's been such a, a thing for me. So like when I was growing up, my parents had this uh, above ground pool in our backyard and I used to walk around it and think my thoughts. Wait. That's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like Was around you, the outside of it. So not like, a, like, like on a, the deck, but no, like. No, like a polar bear in the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you just walk? I, I've I've been to your house that you grew up in many times. Mm-hmm. It's on a, it's on a, like a nice, quiet residential street. Why didn't you just sort of cruise Well, because I was a youth. I mean, this is when I was young. This is when I was like nine or 10. My parents weren't going to let me go on a, a lengthy walk around the neighborhood by myself. Oh, Mine, mine put me up on that <laughs> I mean, bike. I could get on a bike by myself. I think it was because there were three of us. And so if they lost one, it mm-hmm. would be, if if one fell in the crick, they still have the two backups, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so I did that a lot as a kid. And then when I was in college, I used to like to, when I was um, 
when I was having difficulty finding friends, I would take my little disc man and I would listen to U2 Joshua Tree. <laughs> there were so many good things in the last two sentences. And I would you walk said. around in the in the, in, in the campus and, and, you know, just really, really think my thoughts. I have to know if this was you saying something funny for the podcast or if you actually call them disc mans. What else would you call them? <laughs> Discman is the only way I've ever said it or heard it pronounced in my life. Discman? Discman. This is Discman. <laughs> he is powered by U2's I, Joshua Tree. I am very confident that this is not a Rachel Holy shit. This is a real thing that people say. Discman. Okay, somebody put a poll up do, in their Facebook group. Okay, so do you say Walkman? Yeah. Do you say Walkman? <laughs> Holy shit! Maybe. What the fuck? Maybe. That, I mean, it's awesome. It rules. I'm glad. Different strokes and, and all that jazz, but I'm just... I'm Do you s- say hangman when you play a game? No, Do I you say, say hangman, but it's not a brand name. I'm, I'm, I'm not like uh, stupefied that you call it something different. I'm stupefied in how like entrenched in our positions thinking the other person <laughs> is so wrong we are. It's wild. You're just happy that, that this has is, is sprung back on me. Uh, Rachel makes fun of, of your... my colloquialisms like <laughs> all the time. The other day we were worried that Henry had uh, injured himself and Griffin just said, oh no, he probably just stoved his leg. And right. I was like, stoved it? Yeah, like when you run your, if you run your finger like against the table straight and it kind of like pushes it back and then it hurts. I don't See, know. So we what always the, like, said jammed it. Jammed it, stoved it. Stoved I don't know what it. the, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the etymology of that is, but it's what Ooh. I always heard it called growing up in, in the old wild and wonderful West Virginia. Okay. I'm so <laughs> sorry. That was such a huge diversion. Walk man. <laughs> um,. Anyway, the thing that's nice about walking beyond the uh, contemplative uh, aspects of it that I really like are um, I have been in this phase where I just don't feel like exercising. I just really don't. I just can't get excited about the idea of running or getting on an elliptical machine. But I can always get up for some walking, and it's actually really good for you still. Yeah, it's still good for you, and it's a, a good way to take in the you know, place wherever you are walking, which I like. Well, it was interesting. So obviously there's a lot of things like lower blood pressure and it, it can improve your your mood and lower your stress. Uh, it also can lead to better memory and cognitive function. How? Which I was surprised about. Oh, there there's, was, that, there's that fucking tree again. I know you. <laughs> there was a study uh, in the uh, journal Neurology in 2010 that found that walking was associated with a greater volume of gray matter in the brain, a measure of brain health. Huh. Hmm. That's wild to me. I wonder if it really is like... Because you see more of the, like, when I lived in, when I first moved, I've thought about this a lot today for some reason. I thought, I tried to remember when I first moved to Austin and didn't know where anything was or what it was. But then I thought about like the first month that I lived here and I just wanted to fucking eat the city up and see everything so I could get a lay of the land. And that's kind of like a memory improvement, right? Like at, at the very least you're using your your mind. Well, yeah. And the fact that I can remember walking around the pool and yeah. thinking my thoughts when I was like, you know, eight or nine years old. I like, can't remember anything from eight or nine. I can't, I can't think about, like, I can't remember thinking my thoughts in other situations, but sure. I can in that one. Uh, the other thing I found interesting, so you know how a lot of people talk about 10,000 steps as like yes. the goal, the daily goal, yes. which is actually- Ludicrous. Ends up being about five miles. Ludicrous. 
it didn't that number didn't originate from scientific research. Uh, it was first used in a Japanese marketing effort associated with one of the first commercial pedometers. The device was called Manpoke, which literally means 10,000 steps meter in Japanese. I feel fucking lied to and also extremely relieved. The 10,000 step goal is thought to be a realistic minimum and it's good, but for complete risk reduction, people should aim for more. What the fuck? <laughs> Uh, I'm toast, dude. This this physician from the University of Warwick did a study and said that those who took 5,000 extra steps on top of the 10,000 had no metabolic syndrome risk factors at all. All right. So 15,000, Griffin. Whatever. It's not it's not reasonable. I work from home and then I go to I go to daycare, I drop off Henry, I come home, I work from home. I go to get Henry and then I come home. And then we you could put go him on, to bed. You and could then, go on a walk around our neighborhood for five motherfucking miles. <laughs> it would take me. It would take me an hour and a half if we lived in a more, you know, walk friendly environment. I could walk downtown. That's ten thousand steps. It would take me ten thousand steps from our house. I could literally walk downtown. That is, I could walk up to the IKEA up in Round Rock. So the research I said was uh, said that thirty minutes of moderate intensity walking five days a week is is healthy. Okay, not gonna happen. If listen to me, folks, listen. <laughs> I'm serious, folks sitting at home. If you do not do this, that is totally fine. I think walking's great, and I think it is a valuable thing to I do. I have started. I have started walking between thirty and forty minutes at work each day. That's I fine. Just, That's on my attainable. lunch break, I'll go out. I'll do a little walk. It's nice for me, and it, it lets me think my thoughts. For sure. I think that that's great. And I certainly have done that in the past. But before we had Henry, I would try and go on regular walks because it is nice. I would mostly do it for the, like, uh, just to get out of sort of my existential funk of living yeah. out of the house exclusively. Like, yeah. I think that that's a good thing to do. 10,000 steps. It's so much. <laughs> it's so many steps. Um, so, yeah. I was doing that at Disney World, right? But, like, that is yeah. literally... 14 hours of just walking from one Donald to another goofy. When I was in DC and I would have these little breaks, I would go on these walks and I ended up doing like seven miles one day. And that was just like four little discreet walks I took. I definitely think people who like live in the city yeah. crush this all the time. Texas, not the most walkable state because it's the size of the like half the earth i think yeah no that's 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 right can i steal you away okay so you're gonna be excited i thought of uh, lyrics oh for whoa last night i woke up at 3 a.m holy shit and I, this was in my head and so i wanted to share it you went on a two and a half mile walk no it's it's ad appropriate okay a mattress meal kit website watch underwear socks that's good it really covers all our bases <laughs> i like the, got that in my head at three in the morning and i like had to write it down i was so proud of it i i my love for you is as deep and wide as the ocean okay. as all the oceans and i don't tell you that enough I tell you that a lot, but after hearing that, I still think I could put in a little bit more <laughs> elbow grease. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? Is <laughs> factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. 
Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain uh hey do we have any gumbo charms yeah <laughs> Uh, so this Jumbotron is for Fantastic Worlds Podcast. Uh, it is an actual play podcast of diverse and inclusive friends with overactive imaginations adventuring into worlds unknown. They focus on story first, math second. Can we make math like 14th? <laughs> <laughs> The characters are nuanced, relationships are complex, and the stakes are high. They endeavor to engage a community by weaving a story not driven only by the written page, but the ingenuity of characters and luck of the roles. Come for the story, stay for the bitter fights and playful banter. That is fantasticworldspod.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And that's every Wednesday. Hats off to you every Wednesday. Once a week. Unthinkable. I mean, we used to do it. Where, where, what was my life like that we were doing that shit once a week? Hats, seriously. Hats right off to you. <laughs> uh, this next message is for Taylor. It is from Jacob. To my dearest, comma, Taylor slash Charlene slash Taylor. Take a breather from all of the wedding planning stress and listen to this message. I love you the mostest from here to infinity and beyond. I can't wait to spend my life on more road trips, listening to podcasts with you and cuddling all the cats. With love, Reginald, a.k.a. Jacob, a.k.a. Jacob. A.k.a. Buzz Lightyear. Ooh! Got him. Was that a burn? They said, 
uh, Infinity and Beyond, and I heard that, and then I couldn't take it. It was for me. It was just this is fucking Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. Uh, so like, how did how are you even typing this with your little plastic hands and no fingers? Buzz, think about that one. Reach for the skies. Yeah, Tim Allen. You know, it's hard to think about that sometimes, but it is still Tim Allen. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Graham. And we're two house DJs who have been trapped inside our drum machine. We love it here, and we'd love if you stopped by and visited us every week on Stop Stop Podcasting Podcasting Yourself here on MaximumFun.org. We're just a couple of doofuses from Canada. And listen to our show or perish. (laughs) Stop Podcasting Yourself on MaximumFun.org. Hey, can I tell you about my second thing? Yes. My second thing is the best television theme song of all time. Okay. I was very excited to do this one, and it's a bit, uh, and it's a bit like sort of an abstract way to approach talking about the best TV theme song of all time because I really appreciate a good TV theme song. I appreciate that television shows have theme songs in the first place. Like, who decided that like television? Who who are these people? <laughs> Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's my mashup of the Fraser theme song and the Seinfeld theme song. Do you like it? Boom, 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 boom. I just like that they would say the name. The <laughs> <laughs> Seinfeld. <laughs> Uh, I love a good TV song. Why is it that television shows get credits at the beginning and the end of it? I guess movies do that too, but movies don't typically have like theme songs at the beginning of it. But yes, Perfect Strangers is definitely in the pantheon. It's not number one. But Perfect it's in Strangers, the Cheers is a good Cheers one. Cheers is iconic. Parks and Rec is good. Parks and Rec is a good one. Mm-hmm. I like an instrumental one that like sticks with you, and I feel uh-huh. like that and uh, The Office, like those yes. those theme songs, like you can remember note for note. Um, uh, Firefly had a good one. It said it was a good tone tone setter. WKRP in Cincinnati. If you live in Cincinnati <laughs> and you go to karaoke, you will hear somebody sing the theme song to W. Baby, you're going to get that no matter where you go in Cincinnati. It's kind of the fucking best, right? <laughs> if there was a, a show called, you know, uh, W, I can't think of a fucking single call sign. KLBJ. Why can I not think of a fucking single? Because you don't listen to the radio anymore. That's fair. Um, But uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Fresh Prince of Bel Air might be my runner up, actually, because like it's a it tells a story more than anything. Mm -hmm. West Wing. That's a good one. Inspiring. Any any more that you think before I come up and dunk? I mean, The Simpsons. Yeah, I'm over it. Um, (laughs) But the best TV theme song of all time is from the 1998 space western anime Cowboy Bebop. And I hope that there's somebody out there listening to this who got a little, a little flutter in their heart because they were hoping that that was it. There's probably just one person. And if that was you, I feel you and your cause is righteous and beautiful. Holy shit, this song's a jam. 
Uh, I had it in my head yesterday and decided I want to talk about it in some context. That's why I sort of approached it in this like serpentine pattern. I sent it to you this morning just to make sure that you had heard it before. And I've played it for you definitely, I guess, because you said, I know this, I know this track. Yeah, well, it's unforgettable. It is very unforgettable, just as Cowboy Bebop is. Uh, I cannot think of a TV theme song that has brought so much joy to my life because every time I hear it, and I know I speak enthusiastically about a lot of things on this enthusiast podcast, I get so fucking psyched I want to kick a hole in the wall. It is such a, it's <laughs> such a jam. It is hard for me, and this is bad, like when I was younger and more foolhardy, if I was driving like on the highway in my busted up fucking 1992 Cadillac uh, uh, Sierra, like, and this song came on my mix CD, it was really hard to fight the temptation not to like hit the gas a little bit harder and pretend I was in an outer space dogfight. Cowboy Bebop, if you have not watched it, uh, you should. It was a very short-lived anime. It's only 26 episodes, so you can get through it. Uh, it's 26 episodes in a movie, and it's about this team of intergalactic bounty hunters uh, from... Uh, not galactic. It takes place in, in just our solar system. Um, but it's a, it's a diverse team. There's a former hitman, a former cop. There's a con artist and like a computer expert and a genetically engineered corgi. And they just tour the solar system and hunt down criminals for cash. I first came across this show as I think probably a lot of people living in America who are uh, fans uh, did, which was it came on Adult Swim in September of 2001. And that was fucking like, that opened my eyes because I had never really watched any anime at all before. This is the first anime they'd ever shown on Adult Swim, which was like completely my shit. And it just like blew me away. I remember we were visiting our friends, like family friends in Indianapolis, and we had stayed up like past our bedtime and we're watching Adult Swim and this show came on and I was like, this is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen <laughs> yeah. in my entire life. Um the thing that really like makes the show like its settings and characters and premise are all like really great but what makes it is its tone it has this like jazz inspired aesthetic that just like permeates the entire thing and both like kind of like sorrowful jazz like the show the premise of the show is that earth has more or less been destroyed and so people had to move into other planets of the solar system so there's this like lingering sense of lost like everywhere they go and so you get this like nice like smoky jazz over that and then anytime there's like a fight scene or like a space race scene or anything you get this fucking pump up jazz and that is exactly what the theme song is it's called tank by a, a, a japanese band called the seatbelts which was actually formed specifically for cowboy bebop oh, they just wow. made all of it uh the the lead of the band is a, a woman named yoko kano who is a prolific composer for like huge names in anime she did music for um, uh, Ghost in the Shell and, and, and some other things. I wish I could play the whole song for you because it's got so, it builds and develops in this like fire climax that I can't really get across just by playing a snippet. But here's a little bit from Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> It's just the dopest song ever. It is so good. And uh, I rewatched Cowboy Bebop right after Henry was born because I needed something to watch between like three and five in the morning every night. And uh, it was, again, holding a baby and being very tired and wishing the baby would sleep even a little bit better than it was. I was at the, one of the low points of my of my sort of awaking life. <laughs> uh -huh. And then I would hear this theme song and then, um, you know, 
me and the baby would go fight crime and stuff. Oh my cool. gosh, I want to see that show. Yeah, it's the Cowboy Bebop remake. Um, Cowboy Bebop's great. Theme song's great. Go What's it, it called? Uh, Cowboy Bebop Two. Oh, Cowboy Be- Cow Cowboy Be- Beep. Cowboy Be- Beep. <laughs> Cowboy Baby. Cowboy Beep. Beep. It's called Kibby Bobop, <laughs> and it's a really good show. You know what I realized we forgot to mention? What? In our theme song conversation. Yes. Both theme songs to Dawson's Creek. <laughs> yeah. The real the real dilemma is which one is your fave, because you got to have a fave. Is it, I don't want to wane, or is it, slings and arrows, hey, 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 For those of you that don't know. Every step just. Uh, when Dawson's Creek was released on DVD. So wild. For some reason, they could not get rights to the original theme song. So they had to use a different one. (laughs) Which is so wild because you're fucking Dawson's Creek. You are a huge show. And for you to say like, they, there must have been a fight with, was it Sarah McLaughlin? Did she do? I don't know. No, it's, um, uh, Paula Cole. Paula Cole. That sounds right. Will you look it up, please? (laughs) No, it's Paula Cole. Okay. They couldn't get that. They must have had beef with Paula Cole. That's I the know. only thing that makes sense to me. But Paula Cole, they were like, Here, we'll, do, we'll give you 50000 And she's I like, I want 100 they, And they're I like, I think Fuck when you. they like signed her deal, yeah. they like, didn't even know DVDs were going to be a thing. <laughs> That's entirely possible. That's probably true for a lot of shows from yeah. back then. Uh, what's your second thing? My second thing. What what like part of what anime is your second thing, I guess, is my question. No, mine is Mentors. I love them. The commercials were so fucking funny when like the guy would get paint on his pants and then he'd roll around on the bench. So it looked like this whole suit was pinstripes. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard anything so silly? That's a good. <laughs> you put mentors in Diet Coke and it explodes. That's a good joke. You seen that meme? You uh-huh. see Ice Bucket Challenge? Oh. I'm just thinking some good news. <laughs> Mentors, though. Let's Mentors. Get, let's get serious. I have been thinking about that more as I get older. Because you know how sometimes you're talking to somebody and they're like, oh, that reminds me of my mentor. And you're like, oh, come on. What does that mean? But I'll tell you what. It's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, So when I started at United Way as an AmeriCorps VISTA member, my whole job was to help start this mentoring program that United Way was doing at the time. And they were trying to match volunteer adults with middle school students uh, from uh, disadvantaged backgrounds. And uh, there was all this research that said that, you know, a, a kid with a mentor is twice as likely to go to college. You know, they... Um, they are more likely to, you know, go on to have a, a good career uh, and do better in school. I don't doubt it, man. All these things. And, you know, a lot of times this comes from, you know, children that don't have, you know, a real like a parental figure in their life. And so having that mentor is is somebody that can be really important to them. Well, I've always thought there's also like so much value in seeing something be done by somebody who's like passionate and good at it yeah. because it makes that thing so tangible. It makes it so accessible and seems like something yeah. that you can just like do. I mean, a lot of kids uh, 
don't ever like leave their neighborhood. You know, they don't ever get to see, you know, a college campus or, or go to, you know, an office building downtown. And by connecting somebody who has kind of like a, a different experience than them, you know, but that they can relate to, you know, you're opening their world to things. Yeah. Uh, and so there was all this research talking about, you know, I'd like, an hour a week of time for no less than a year is is shown to have the most impact, all this stuff. And I always kind of thought of mentoring kind of in that aspect. But then I started thinking about, you know, as I become older and, and more professional, you know, I think a lot about like the the mentors along your career and the value that they have. Yeah. So I, I wanted to share with you and maybe get your thoughts. Uh, you know, TED Talks. I've heard of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are five types of mentors that you need. I in you're your gonna life. say there's five types of TED talks. There's five TEDs. One's about animals. One's about apps. One's about life. One TED is real wacky. Yeah. And the the other TED a little more debonair. Yeah, I watched a whole TED talk from um, fuck, who's the magician who does the stunts that are gonna one day kill him? David Blaine. <laughs> yeah, he did one about his when he held his breath for 18 minutes on Oprah. It's a pretty good TED talk. He held his breath on Oprah for, I think, maybe 17 and a half minutes. He broke the world record for holding your breath, and he went ahead. What kind of television was that? Was he just sitting Must there? Must see TV. And how could they verify? Oprah had, like, guests. Oprah had, like, a doctor sitting there, just like. How could they verify that he wasn't breathing? Well, they, he was underwater. Oh, well, you didn't say that. Oh. <laughs> and he was just standing there. <laughs> Staring, and he didn't tell Oprah he was gonna do it. He was just like sitting on the couch across from Oprah. And she was like, "So, tell me about your next trick." And he's like, "Well, Oprah, it starts right now." <gasps> and she was like, "Okay, but uh, staring directly at the camera, getting frozen. That must have been cold, huh? You're really not gonna talk. To you. You're really gonna hold your breath for 17." Okay, <laughs> fuck, that's good. Uh. Do you want to hear about these mentors? Yes, please. I thought it would be nice if you could share your mentors. My mentors? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Okay, so the first is the master of craft. This is the person that can function as your personal Jedi master, someone who's accumulated their wisdom through years of experience and who can provide insight into your industry and fine-tuning your skills. Hmm. The most obvious one is probably Chris Grant, who mm-hmm. was the uh, editor-in-chief at Polygon, editor-in-chief at Joystick, kind of gave mm-hmm. me my, my first big gig, and then mm-hmm. kind of actually my only <laughs> gig <laughs> I did until I quit it and started doing a mm-hmm. uh, podcast full-time. Uh, like, he hired me when I was 20. I didn't know anything, and mm-hmm. uh, I learned everything that I know about online media, basically. That's the uh, thing. This And also like... carpentry and home improvement. <laughs> This seems like a really good role for a boss. I feel like I've had a lot of bosses that have had this relationship to me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next one is the champion of your cause. These are people who are advocates and who have your back, but they're more than just boosters. Often they can be connectors too, introducing you to useful people in your industry. Huh. This one's not as obvious to me. For me, this was more like academic. This was like... Um, instructors I had that would tell me about new poets or books I should read or movies I should see or, you know. Yeah. I don't know if I can, I attribute, if I would attribute this to like people who have said nice things about our shows on Twitter, <laughs> all of our, all of our listeners uh, yeah. who tweet about the shows. You are, you are my, well, I mean, this could be, this could be Lynn. This right? could be Lynn. Yeah. Lynn has said so. Lynn has helped us out so many ways. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, the next is the co-pilot. Gee, uh, I mean, Jesus Christ. Next. <laughs> next. Thank you. This. Let me read the descriptor. Okay. This is your best work, bud. Yeah. The co-pilot is the colleague who can talk you through projects. Of course. Advise you in navigating the personalities at your company. Mm-hmm. And listen to you vent over coffee. Yeah, I mean... This kind of mentoring relationship is best when it's close to equally reciprocal. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I had people... Uh, again, like, this does not apply to my podcast's world, because yeah. I, I, for me, then I have two choices, basically, and the, the other one's just going to find out. Uh, but I don't know, like Chris Plant uh, at, yeah. at Polygon. Yeah, this is neighbor. my friend Leah for me. Yeah, for it's like sure. It's somebody we met through the workplace. We have similar kind of professional interests and goals. And uh, we kind of talk through, you know, things that are going on in our job with each other. Yeah. Like I'm not necessarily in the games industry anymore, but I was in it for so long. And I want to know. The, I want. Yeah. I want, this, I want the fucking scoop. Yeah. That's my dude. You want to know what Toad's wearing these days? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, a decade of my work uh, can be boiled down to what's toad wearing these days. And like Stardew Valley, like what? Don't what, try to get on my good side now by referencing. What fruits are available in the valley? It depends on what season it is. Obviously, in fall, <laughs> you got your Blackberry game going. Okay, now you'll like this one. Okay. And, I, and I'm not going to assume that I know who this is. Is it going to be you? This is the anchor. Yeah. While Can cha- Jesus be two of them? <laughs> <laughs> well, your champion supports you to achieve specific career goals. Your anchor is a confidant and a sounding board. The anchor is keeping your overall best interests in mind and can be particularly insightful when it comes to setting priorities, achieving work-life balance, and not losing sight of your values. I mean, it's got to be mm-hmm. my, my wife, my wife, Paul. Mm-hmm. I wrote down Griffin. I wrote down Griffin right here. All right. That was a gimme. <laughs> you're because you're really my anchor. Hear that, Jesus? <laughs> uh, and then this is the final one. This is the reverse mentor. Someone I fucking hate the guts of <laughs> the devil. So this is the person that you are mentoring, even though they have fewer oh. years in the workplace. Uh, you can get feedback on your leadership style, engage with the younger generation, and keep your perspectives fresh and relevant. I definitely don't have anything like this right now. Uh, I was in charge of like a a small yeah. team of of young reporters earlier that. at Polygon, and I definitely got that feeling, and I really liked it. I don't know how mm-hmm. useful I was, but it was nice to um watch them watch them grow whether or not i had anything to do with it at all that was a very reward i had never managed anybody in my life before and i was so sure i was so full of shit the entire time but uh whenever i i don't know whenever they did something really amazing i was i was very very proud it like it keeps you connected to kind of what got you fired up in the first place to have somebody who's like newer on the scene yeah for sure I know when I finished AmeriCorps, I continued to stay at United Way, and each year a new group of AmeriCorps members would show up, and I would just feel this real kinship to them and this real interest in what they were doing because it like kept me excited about the work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a good subject. Uh, we had a lot of fun along the way, but I think it's important <laughs> to I think it's important to like really take stock of the people who have helped you, you know, 
become the the person that you are and helped you get the. You I know. think so too. You know, and I talked about teachers before, and I thought like, is this duplicative? But it isn't really because a lot of this comes from like a an informal relationship. You know, they don't necessarily have authority over you and what you do. These are people that like you know, aren't making the rules for you necessarily. They're just like supporting you along the way. It's nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I was trying to think if I snubbed anybody. Uh, so now I'm just going to list a, a bunch of important people in my life. Did you say Jesus? I can't remember. Jesus, uh, mm-hmm. Jesse, Thorne, my dad, mm-hmm. um, your dad, just to be safe. <laughs> uh, your mom. Yeah. Your mom. So thanks for listening to Wonderful. This is a podcast that we do every week. Your brothers. Week. My brothers. Um, this is a podcast we do every week for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we this one's finished, more or less. we got to say some stuff at the end of it. Uh, i got a mailing list. It's uh, McElroy, bit.ly slash McElroy mail. Speaking of mail, um, we're going to get that P.O. box going. <laughs> for sure. Very soon. Um, and so that's going to be cool. And we'll let you know where that lives. Thanks to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. They got all kinds of great shows like Story Break. And Everything's Coming Up Simpsons. And Can I Pet Your Dog? And I'm trying to think of one we don't say all the dang time. International Waters. International Waters, I don't think we've plugged in quite some time. Not because it's a bad show, but because there's 40 shows on the network, and we're bad at recalling all of them. Beef They're and Dairy all, Network. Beef and Dairy Network is precious in God's eyes. So that's MaximumFun.org. We have other stuff at McElroyShows.com. Thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. It is actually the best theme song of all time, but it's not. this is not a TV show. Uh, you can find a link to that in the episode description. What else? I feel like what else. Please like and subscribe and review and and share and tweet and pin and favorite. We're like 60 episodes in. I don't think we can ask for that anymore. I feel like we, <laughs> and I, it's important that you tell your friends and like we get the word out. But after 60, it kind of feels like you have put all the English on the ball that you're going <laughs> to that you're gonna get we spent the first 60 episodes starting to we threw the dart and now the dart is out of our hands and whether it hits the bullseye of podcast success or not uh it's uh maybe you got a friend that likes the cowboy bebop and they would love to hear somebody else talk about the bebop god that song fucking owns god it's good watch the actual opening to the show too because it is also like slick as shit but yeah, thank you all so much. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, I feel like I really bounced back from you know Techon's whole saga coming to a an end in front of our eyes uh, just an hour ago, and I'm thinking about it. And I'm sad again. Can we please hang up? Can we please hang up? I need to go to my. <laughs> I need to crawl in my weeping basket. <laughs> <laughs> I need to enter my mourning yurt. Do you mind? Mm-hmm. Please go ahead. I'm crawling into the mourning yurt now. Do not follow me in here. Do not go in there. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Have a good one.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hey, Kira. So Max FunCon tickets go on sale this Friday, November 23rd at 11 a.m. Pacific, and I'm trying to write a promo. Okay, so what do they need to know to look forward to? Inspiring classes. Live podcast tapings. Stand-up showcase. The s'mores party. Making new friends. Don't forget about the dance party! Oh, and it all takes place on a beautiful mountaintop. Okay, got it. Anything else? Well, if we missed anything, they can find all the details at maxfuncon.com. And And we'll we'll see see you in June. June. I think that went really well. That was really good, too. Yeah, that sounded good. good.